Hello and welcome to Property Mastermind Podcast, episode 115. Today talking, will property investing be your handbrake? You're going to find this rather interesting and maybe something that you're pondering. So let's jump on to episode 115. Hello and welcome to episode 115. Here we go, giving away the book as usual to Suzanne Bond. Suzanne, this is in the post to you, page 121 is where we talk about property development, so skip straight to there and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Okay, uh, welcome Bob, thanks for jumping on as usual. Oh, I love it, thanks. Thanks for the invite, yet again. (laughs) (laughs) It's less than an invite, but it's more of a, hey, we need to do the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, have you got any time? Well, have you got any time? Yes. Yeah. Who are you talking it. to? Who, who, who have you got time? When have you got time? And ironically, we're doing this one the day before it comes out, so hopefully it's ready in time. Okay. But uh, Bob, just on you know us doing this podcast, I have to say that it's always useful to have your insights. After forty years of property developing, you've got a bit going on. And you understand property development on such a deep level, especially when it comes to finance and money. I think that that's really a strength for you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And God knows it's a big enough component of property development and investment for that matter. Yeah. So I think today's topic really suits you and and your thought process. And I'll probably challenge a few of those. Oh, I'm sure you will. You're always challenging my thought process. That's why God sent me here. (laughs) (laughs) He just sent me here to sit here and challenge you. Uh, You're suggesting you're a handbrake. (laughs) Oh, gosh, no. (laughs) No, I'm definitely definitely not a handbag. But anyway, you're an um, accelerator. I am the accelerator. Hey, just wondering uh, if you had a tip for the week. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day when some comment was made about my fashion sense. I'll, I'll go comfort over fashion most of the time. So you're saying that your tip is go comfort over fashion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are times when fashion might be important. You, know, you might be heading off to the races and you've got to look a particular What way. about those black shoes you used to wear and complain about all the time, the yeah. shiny ones? Oh, the shiny ones. Yeah, I'm still breaking them in. Breaking them in? I've so, been a few uh, years. Yeah, I know. Well, I don't wear them a lot. But, so they're, uh, they're fashion over comfort? They are fashion over comfort, Do you comfort, regret it every shoes. time? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and there we have it. But I did buy some new boots lately which are fashionable but comfortable. So you don't have to necessarily give up one for the other. Anyway, we're talking too much about my oh, silly little thing for the day. Isn't that funny, though, giving mm. up something for the other, which kind of alludes to the podcast. Mm. Because we're talking about property investing. Uh, will it be a handbrake for you financially? Meaning, will it come to a point where it slows down or stops, as in your growth forward? Mm. And then we'll, we'll flick that over to whether property development would be perhaps a better option, option at some time. And I think that that's very much a similar a similar bag, actually, what you're talking you about. Could, yeah, 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 it could be. So, Bob, let's – the reason this came about, this podcast, is I often have chats with people about property investing mm. because people that talk to us want to do property development. They often want to do our mentoring program and they want to know how it works, but they've, they have a love of property. That's, that's how they that, come that, to That's us. a good start. Yeah, they have a love of property. So sometimes, and fear, fairly often, they've been property investing, just mm. like I did because it's easy. Yeah. As a yeah. single mum, I could do property investing because it didn't take what property development takes. Mm. Sometimes that's the way it goes. You start yeah. off with property investing, then maybe move into 
you know, something a little bit more proactive like renoing and you did all that. Yeah. And then maybe from there into property development and you did all that. <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily have to go that way. No, but the reason for this podcast is sometimes people have got into investing mm. and they have a couple, one, two, three yep. or four or whatever it is. Usually I feel it's around three that I have this conversation with people and they become hamstrung hmm. because the bank won't loan them any more money. Serviceability hit the wall. Yeah, serviceability's hit the wall and then they sort of realise that, hmm, how do I make money with property now? And that's kind of where they bump into the idea of of property development, Yeah, which was a very recent conversation I had. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's a logical thing to think. Yeah. Uh, but obviously development takes money as well, but we can be more creative with our finances in property development than investment, which is pretty static. So, yeah, serviceability. Unpack that a wee bit. I know where you're going, but just, just unpack that for you throw well, away a comment like we can be more creative with development versus in, versus property investing. Yeah. Yeah. Just Well, well when we're investing, so we're buying an investment property, most of us go to a bank. Uh, you know, either one of the top four or second tier banks. That's typically the way we would finance it. And they, they love to finance, you know, single dwellings and houses, whether it's an investment property or, or your own home. That's their market. They love to do that. Mm. In property development, you're not just buying an investment. You First of all, you're creating properties that don't exist as opposed to buying one that does exist. And you're doing multiples generally. It could be two or three lot subdivision. It could be a duplex or a three-pack, you know. And so finance is quite different. Uh, Sometimes the banks aren't real keen on financing your three-pack and you have to go to alternative finance sources, and there's heaps of them. I mean, 80% of all property development finance these days comes outside the normal banking sector. But you can be creative, you know. You can start thinking about joint ventures and those sorts of things, which you probably wouldn't entertain although you could technically Mm. when you're buying an investment property and that's interesting even to ponder you could do joint venture you know tenants in common ownerships with property investing yeah you can yeah oh crikey they'd get messy with structures though wouldn't it oh yeah it can be relatively simple Mm. but but yeah but you're right i mean you could have uh, two young people friends who would like to buy an investment property Either one can't on their own, mm. but collectively if they come together with a deposit and with the added serviceability of two people can, can do it. Mm. Uh, and, and it has to be written up well so that, for instance, if one person wants to leave, how's that handled? Mm. You know, those sorts of things. But it yeah. certainly can be done. But it's not something you do a lot of. No. Most people think, well, I'll buy an investment property. If the bank says, well, you're not quite ready yet. well, you, They, they can, go and oh, get well, ready. I'll wait, you know, rather than run around and look for a joint venture partner. But in a property development, if you find a good deal that's going to make good money and you haven't quite got enough, then then you would run around and find somebody who's got some money to throw in with you Mm. and you could share it. So that's that's what I meant by by saying you can be more creative in the development side of it than you would just buying an investment property. I think the other thing I... You brought to my attention when you were explaining it to one of our kids, uh, not like our kids. We don't have children together, but we have a we have a plethora between us. We got a, we got a, we got a bit of a share true, a dog. Yeah, we do share a dog. <laughs> We've got a few few Fano uh, for the Maldives amongst us, with few people around us. Um, and I remember you talking to 
I call them all the kids, yeah. the, the kids well, about yeah. their investment properties. And they said to you, Bob, should we sell this and do developing? And I know we've talked about this before on this podcast mm. in a different sense, but could you unpack that right now again and then we'll talk about it again in here? Yeah. So what we really were trying to work out there is if you were to hold that this property, this investment property, what sort of returns would you get? So it's costing you something, but is the rent covering your costs? And if it is, let's just call that neutral. So what you're looking at is how much is it going to go up in the next two, three, four years? And that was most that was, of the topic of our conversation. Yeah. And bear in mind, it's not even in Australia, but the what came out of it was that that area had had a run it had had some growth, which was good because they pick up the capital growth on that, but didn't look like there was going to be any growth much in the next you know, three or four years, as much as anyone could predict. Mm. That was the general consensus of opinion there. So if you're covering it but you're not actually going forward, are you better off taking a step sideways and maybe selling that property and uh, and looking at putting the money to better use, which and could have been a, could be a development yeah, potentially. Or even if you wanted another investment where... Could be another investment in an area where there's likely to be good growth. And I think that, it, that it's kind of, not kind of, it really is the think and grow rich principle, isn't it? It's, oh, is it that or the rich dad, poor dad? I get those two books mixed oh, up. All of them. It's but it's principle. about getting your money, making money. And if you're at a point where right now you've had, well, Australia's just had huge growth, haven't we, mm. in a lot of areas. Oh, well, yeah, one to two years ago we had some solid growth, yeah. And so how much longer until we get uh, your, until your investment will gain some decent momentum growth-wise versus mm. if you were to, as Bob used the words, step sideways, could you make more money through property development? Yeah. You know the thing there is they're not mutually exclusive. So it's not a matter of saying, well, I'll buy an investment and I think that'll go up X or I could not buy an investment and do a development and that'll make, you know, Y dollars. But you do also, to a fair extent, get growth out of the property development. People forget that one. Yeah. So let's say you buy an investment property today. So what, what is this, September 23? We buy that. What if we do buy a development site today? Well, depending on where you buy it, the type of project it is and all, a whole heap of variables, that pro project might not be finished for two years, let's say. By the time we get our development permit, our building permit, organise a builder, get the whole thing built. The whole shebang. The whole shebang, get it on the market and sell it. So, so yes, uh, we're buying the land at today's price, but we're selling in two-year time price. So whatever growth there is in that two years, we get the benefit of it when we sell. Mm. We buy an investment property today. Yeah, sure, we get the two years growth. So mm. in two years' time, it's gone up that much, but we don't get any profit because we just bought an investment property. It wasn't a development. So some people think that they don't think about the growth side of development. What we wouldn't do is, let's say, in 12 months' time, sell them both off plan because then we'd get two sales in 12 months' mm. time, whatever it's worth, rather than the two years. I mean, sometimes particularly on larger projects, the financier might want you to do some pre-sales and if that's the only way you can get finance, you do it. But what I'm trying to explain is that property development, you get the growth and the profit. Property investment, 
you get the growth. But one has a higher element of risk, obviously, a property development, so you have to know what you're doing and mitigate those risks, understand them and mitigate them. Yeah, so that's... A lot of people don't think about the growth side of property development. No, they don't. They're they're trying to compare one to the other. Yeah. I mean, they're the same. And at the end, when you finish that development, you might hold that investment property as a long-term investment. So you'd you'd be a long way in front of the person that bought the investment property today in two years' time because you'd not only have that value, but you'd have all that profit building. Mm. Okay, there's some serious. Could be another, you know, 15% on top as gain, you know. Mm. Makes sense to develop your own investments if mm. you are going to yeah. look at investments. So property went up, say, 5% a year, let's say, for the next two years. So roughly, I know it's compound, but let's just call it 10% growth in two years. With the property development, it would be like 20 or 25% because you get your profit plus your growth. Nice. Okay, Bob, so what about somebody who wants to get into property development because they realise that they are hamstrung, really, and they've got property investments? What should they do? Well, if they want to – let's look at a situation where somebody might be tapped out on serviceability. And, look, that's happened quite a bit. So here we are. At the moment, the RBA hasn't put up rates for a few months, but prior to that, they, they did on a very regular basis. Yeah. And so as interest rates went they up. They made it a hobby, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> they started making a hobby like out of it. It was Groundhog Day, wasn't it, <laughs> it was the first Tuesday of every month? Yeah. Uh, and, and so people that were, you know, have lovely serviceability at, you know, 2.5% uh, standard variable rate are now trying to work it out, you know, at fives and five and a halves and almost up to six. So um, their, their serviceability tightened up. A yep. lot of people's serviceability tightened up uh, beyond even, you know, what the banks uh, would would calculate, but but then they don't want to tip people into default. They don't want to do that. So so things go on. So somebody oh, wants can, to- I just want to jump in there. Can yeah. I just ask a question before we go further on or do you want to finish this and then I go back to this? At what point does the bank realise that they've – well, at what point do they realise that they don't want to tip people out and they stop doing it? Is that what finally happened because it's getting close for some people? Well, is it not or is that just media? Sorry, yeah, look, throwing the, a question at this big. If the bank did all their calculations, there's a lot of lot of people at the moment who have mortgages that don't fit the current calculations. Right. But the point is they're coping. You know, they make it, people make adjustments. They just you, eat noodles and white bread. Yep. Yeah, by 90, 90, uh, 99 cent loaves of bread and kilogram buckets of peanut paste and live on that. No, but I mean, people make adjustments, you know. You don't go out to as many restaurants. You you know, you don't do this, you don't do that. And, and while it might be tough for some people, um, other people it's it's still tough. But, you know, you're pulling the, pulling the belt in, you know. For, for others, they might just get a second job for a period of time, you know. So banks aren't going to suddenly tip everyone out because they don't qualify in current calculators. Uh, and, and look, even in, in in a couple of cases in the past where people might be on 90% loans, you know, with mortgage insurance and then there's been a market correction and they, they may even go into negative equity mm. where the loan is actually worth more than the property. Uh, even then the banks tend not to tip in. They, they, they only, they, banks only jump in when you let your mortgage, you don't pay your mortgage for, for a while, you know. Uh, so, so let's just go back to that hypothetical. Somebody has some investment properties that they're, they're tapped out. They can't buy any more for serviceability reasons, and but they want to get into property development. So can they? Well, they can't buy another investment property, but they actually could get into property development. Yes. And so there's a decision to make at that point. So if they had no capital 
and we're tapped out on their investment properties, is it possible to still do a property development? Obviously, you've got no chance of a property investment. The answer is yes, but it's going to be hard work. Has it been done? Yeah, heaps of times. Uh, but, you know, you've got to have grit and determination and... Uh, me beating me beating down your neck. <laughs> Understanding the word no and not get offended by it. Yeah. And, and you know, in, in simple terms, I'm talking about someone could do a joint venture property development with somebody else who has the money. And so, of course, you can do it a property development if you don't have money and you're tapped out for serviceability. There's ways of doing it. But another thing to think about is, well, are you better off maybe selling one of those investment properties? It, could, it might be the only one or it might be three and you're going to sell one of those just to get some capital. So while it's possible to do a property development pretty much with no capital, it is hard work getting it sorted. But if you were to have some money, not necessarily enough to do a development project, but at least some, that would enable you to, for instance, put a deposit down on a property if it's a good one, ideally get an extended settlement, which would be a big help. Uh, And... That way you could secure a property for a period of time while you've got an investor in there as a joint venture. That's a bit easier. So no money at all, possible but tough. Some money, a lot easier. And then in some cases, some people may have enough money to buy the site and they need just to top up later so that's easier again. But So back to it, sometimes people have to make the tough decision they're going to sell an investment property. Yeah, yeah. If you did sell an investment property and that money went into a property development, you're going to, you get a far higher return. That's a, you know, as I said before, it's a higher level of risk property development than just having money sitting in an investment property. But for people that really want to get ahead, uh, we take calculated commercially sound risks, but they're still risks. Mm. And uh, you know, if you, you know, if you want to take no risk at all, uh, don't even put your money in the bank because some banks are going broke. Put your money in. A, in the backyard and then <laughs> not really the best thing to do no i don't, I don't think that's a, i don't think that's advisable. so so that and and so that's the question and for some people that's that's a hard thing to yeah. buy to buy it because they may work really hard for those investment properties do you know what i reckon bob i think it's really useful for people to get stuff out of their head for me we even just this morning we're talking about some um just some marketing stuff that we do and i straight away want to get sticky notes and put them on a wall get them out of my head and get all those bits of information so if say let's say you did have two properties how mm. do you weigh up if you're going to move one in your head you think oh i like that one or this one's got this and this one but once you actually start getting that information and putting it in front of you and visually and seeing it mm. it's a lot easier to make that decision mm. because when it's in your head it's just a lot of information going around in circles yeah, it's confusing you know those things you get at christmas and you turn them upside down and turn it back and all the, the snow little drops snow down things, yeah. well that's just the thoughts that's mm. exactly mm. what it's like but if you take a lot of those thoughts and write them down and put mm. yeah in an area that's had huge growth profit prof- probably not going to have growth for or you know slow down growth for what I project to be x amount of years this area here a lot of development going on could be worth holding on to perhaps one day this could be this if you were to put it all and then have a one side for one particular property one for the other have pros and cons for each and stand back and look that can Mm. make that decision that's being analytical as opposed to emotional yeah I remember talking to somebody in our mentoring program once who'd reached the point where they realized it would be a good idea to sell one of their investment properties the one that made the most sense was the one that that person had acquired first and had built up quite a lot of equity. 
The third one, they had three. Yeah. They'd only bought like eight or nine months ago on an 80% loan and obviously didn't have a lot of equity. But they loved it, did they? No, well, they, they loved the first one. Oh, right. So the first one was the one to sell because that would have released, um, I think it was oh, something I get like what you mean. four or $500,000. Yeah. Whereas to sell the new one that they bought not long ago, by the time you pay legals and stamp duty, it wouldn't have, you know, it might have been like sixty or $80,000 actual release. Of it. And so. But it was releasing the equity. Oh, the tough one. Oh, but yeah. that was my very first investment. I worked so hard, you know. Mm. I packed shelves at night for two years to save up that deposit. So that's emotional. Mm. So as, like you were saying, get the emotion out of it. That That's the one that makes a sense. That's the one that releases the most capital. And you weigh these things up. I mean, one could be an old property that's, you know, always requiring maintenance. The tenants aren't that mm. good, good. But all of those things need to be written out. Yeah. And look at them. Yeah. Another one might be, you know, good rent, uh, good depreciation, mm. maybe still get, you know, it's new enough to have depreciation. There's lots of things to weigh up. But just but weigh it up, but keep the emotion out of it. And, and then... Have a look at, well, what could I do with that money? Like that, uh, say, say somebody released $400,000 and, and put it into a project. Now, allowing for the fact that the banks lend, lend you most of the money, therefore you're gearing upwards in a property development and you're making a profit on top of that. Mm. It's not unusual to have a look at your capital and, and get like probably 60 70% annualised return on your capital. Somewhere in that, you know, 50 to 75 is pretty normal. Uh, you're not going to get that sitting on your property. No, you that you are you be become hamstrung, like mm. I said, a handbrake. You mm. have the handbrake on. Yeah, and it might only be temporary because once you get going, once you've done a couple of projects, you can start keep something some of your own product anyway. Mm. But you're you're buying your own product off yourself if you like in a weird way, at absolute raw cost, and it's brand new and it'll rent really well and it's got fantastic depreciation. And then you can get all emotional when it's brand new. <laughs> <laughs> so just be, you know, like, a bit analytical. Yeah, be analytical and and realize well, you know, it. it it might be the best thing to do to get some cash out of it, sell this investment, get into property development, really get your money working for you. Mm. Get Obviously and, get a good education. Yeah, and think, well. Have the right mentors. You, you can get as many investment properties as you like mm. down the track a bit if you're a property developer and you get them at raw cost. You know, you're getting them at, you know, 15 20% below market value and they're brand new and they mm. rent their heads off and they've got great depreciation. So, you know, a little – it's just a matter of like maybe going sideways for a little bit and then going forward again but going forward much more rapidly. Bob, you say sideways because you've got that the actual development process time. Is that what the sideways uh, means? Well, I was thinking of people think in, in their mind, oh, I've got three properties and now so well, now I've only got two. Right. I think, oh, that, that's yeah, but it's not really going backwards. It's going sideways because now that you've sold that one and you can put it into a property development, put that, those funds into there. Remember, your serviceability just improved as well. Not mm. that that's the biggest thing because uh, you know if you're using commercial finance to do your development, the serviceability is, is irrelevant. You don't need it. Well, the interest is capitalised. They give it to mm. you as a present. Mm. I think what's interesting there is I actually look at everything analytically because I was like, it's not even about the property because mm. at the end of the day, most people aren't investing in property or doing property development for a job or something to do. Most people are doing it for a lifestyle. They want more time back. Mm. If you want more time back, go to property development they want to earn more money it's property development those mm. they are really the re- they are the reasons people do property whatever yeah. Yeah. property and you're doing yeah yeah and so when you think i'm getting rid of my extra property re- really it's not the property that's giving you that it's the money from the property so it's about getting your money to be mm. smarter mm. and using property yeah. as the vehicle and, and quite often the money that the property gives you is hardly anything because you've got a mortgage 
If you own it unencumbered, yeah, sure, it's giving you money. But then if you own it unencumbered, imagine what that chunk of cash is going to do when you put it into a property. Oh, yeah, I'm like all for just completely stripping it straight (laughs) out at the other end. (laughs) Develop it, rip out the money and go again. Mm. Yeah, that's that's what it's really about, isn't it? Yeah, and same old story with property development. Of course, you can sell it, make a cash profit, keep some as a long-term investment. Mm. might not be your first project you do that, might be your third one, but, you know, don't worry about selling an old investment property now. It'll get you into property development. And as I said, down the track, you can keep as many as you like because you'll be making plenty of money, you know. I think that's great advice, Bob. I, th- I think You've got that, to do it right, though. Yeah, you probably, yeah, exactly, done well, done safely. Mm. Um, you, you probably just summarised it really well there, perfect mm. summary. Yeah. So I think we could probably leave this podcast here. It's a good one, a handbrake. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Will, will property investing become your handbrake? But I think what I liked was what you said at the end was it's life's a lifetime long mm. and, and it's about yeah, some gaining have, that Some momentum. have more time left than others, but true. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Gaining momentum. Yeah, yep. And that doesn't necessarily mean buying as many houses as possible because you'll run out of the ability to do that. Well, yeah, you, you tap out fairly early. Yeah. It's almost like the banks don't want you to own too much. No. Okay, on that note, uh, just remember Bob's tip, <laughs> comfort over fashion. I don't know, I'm on the fence about that one. Yeah. And um, we're actually going out tonight and I'll be wearing uncomfortable shoes and as we're walking there I'll be like, Bob, oh, my feet are sore. <laughs> and yeah. you can remind me of your comfort over fashion. I will, I will. I'm actually wearing a suit tonight, which I don't normally do. Unless, uh, someone's getting married or somebody's died. But um, Well, it's none it's, of those. It's things. neither. It's neither. It is a property event, though. It is a property event. And that suit's reasonably comfortable, so I'll, go, I'll take a bet each way on that. Hey, also, if you're in Melbourne next Thursday <gasps> yes. and you listen to our podcast or you're one of our people or you just want to do a bit of networking around property, we, Bob and I and Aaron, will be at the Doubletree by Hilton on Flinders Lane. Flinders Street. Flinders Street from five till eight. So come and join us for a bit of networking happy and a hour. drink. Happy hour. We're there for happy for happy hour. Is that the fourteenth of September? I think. I think it is. Mm. And it's not structured. We're not standing out the front and talking. No, it's not just, selling anything. No, we're just going to have a drink no. because we're in town. Yeah, come and buy me a beer. <laughs> because we, <laughs> because we're going to do the Great Ocean Road for a couple of days. So we thought, oh well, there's probably a group of people that would want to catch up. So I'll be hundred after broadcasting it like that. I'll text a few of you that I know uh, that are in my phone, and most people are. Uh, I will send you a message. Say, come join us. I I rang them yesterday to see if if it was okay if we went there, and I said, oh, it could be I don't know five, ten, fifteen people, twenty, and they said, oh, it's happier, and I thought there could be more now. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you put that on the podcast, it could be a hundred. But they might listen to it a week later, and they'll be kicking themselves, (sighs) yeah, because it would have been just a fun night out. But anyway, you're welcome to come join us uh, with with people like. uh, Karen and Miles Allen be expecting to see you there. If you want to get entertained, yes. don't, don't waste your money going to a comedy show. Come Goes, along to that and listen to Miles. <laughs> Miles Allen, yeah, the comedian. <laughs> Who else have we got down there? There's quite a few people uh, from, oh, I think just Kieran. Kieran's down there. Oh, yeah, the, the, the good, the bad and the ugly, except there's no ugly. No. Okay, well, we will see some of you next Thursday yep. at 5 o'clock from 5 till five till 8, 9, mm. 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. And... Um, Yeah, that will be great. And we'll catch you on next week's podcast as well. See you. Bye.